Welcome in, everybody, to the Bare Knuckle Recovery Podcast, episode number nine. I'm Tommy Streeter, along with Nate Mollering. Unfortunately, we don't have a guest today, so you're just going to have to listen to Nate and I talk. Um, It's too bad we weren't actually recording a few minutes before this, because that would have made some (sighs) great podcast content. Yeah. Um, Nate talking about growing his hair out like Bonesaw from the old Spider-Man movie movie with Tobey Maguire. Or Frank from It's Always Sunny, if you guys, you know, watch that show. If not, then Danny DeVito. Yeah, that's you, who it who Frank is. You guys are basically twins if you grew your hair out. Uh, so. Probably. Yeah. I think we should show them the picture you made of me with that hair where I look like a bad guy from um um what die hard. That's what we need to, we need to have an episode where we talk about that or show Tommy's memes he's made of me, which make light of my um physical deformities but we can i have made some them. hilarious pictures noah i'll have to send them to you and then we can do something with them one of the maybe you can put them up like right now on the podcast on the video that would be pretty funny i've got quite a few yeah i've got one where i put his head on a um the old uh, lou ferrigno hulk <laughs> oh it's perfect so moving on yes. to anyways uh, the real <clears throat> topics we're here to discuss very serious yes so a uh, few I don't know, a few episodes ago, and I guess numerous times throughout the um, you know, bare knuckle recovery history, uh, we have asked for questions from our followers and our listeners, just you know, things that they would like to hear us address and talk about, questions that they would like us to answer. And the last time we did that, we got quite a few. So I wrote some of them down on my trusty BKR podcast notebook. You designed that yourself, didn't you? I did. I drew the, very good. drew everything on it. I here, like it. So And we got the Remedy Live sticker. Yep. Shout out. All right. So anyways, um, the first one that we got was it was a woman who was just kind of inquiring on the differences between detoxing from various drugs, what Mm -hmm. that looks like. Um, So like with alcohol compared to opiates, compared to benzodiazepines, compared to amphetamines and cocaine. And we don't really have to go over all of that stuff, but just some of the you know, basic differences. The ones that we see the most of are going to be opiates and alcohol. Yeah. That's generally what we see though. Those and benzodiazepines, those are what have the really, you know, intense physical withdrawal symptoms. And like with alcohol and benzodiazepines, which uh, benzo is like Xanax, you know, Ativan, Librium, Clonopin, anything like that. Yes. With alcohol and benzos, that's really the most dangerous um, you can detox. die. Yeah. Um, people can have seizures. Grand mal seizure. Um, you know, your blood pressure can get dangerously high. There's a lot of kind of complications that come along with that. So, yes. you know, when we're talking to somebody, you know, if they've been drinking for years and they're drinking copious amounts of alcohol on a daily basis, it is not safe for that person to just try to stop drinking on their own in their house. Yep. And they we have a lot of people a, yeah. that tell us that's what they're going to do. And right. we have to say, no. Don't yeah. do that. That's yeah. a terrible idea. Or a family that wants to help their kid detox at home from alcohol. That's not an experience that you want to go through on your own. No, you should definitely go to inpatient uh, detox. Um, if that's not an option, go to the ER. Yep. Um, and I would make it pretty clear that you would like to stay in in the hospital for at least uh, three or four days to detox. I mean, some of the physicians will send you home with a prescription of um, benzos, which is uh, very careless uh, medically. 
could give somebody who struggles with alcohol use disorder or benzo use disorder a uh, prescription of benzos to go home and try to wean themselves off, which, as you can imagine, typically does not happen. Um, so it needs to be done in a medical setting, and it should be done very carefully by people that have experience doing so. Because as Tommy has said, and I've said, it can cause you to have a grand mal seizure and you can die. Uh, and we have we have known people that that's happened to, yep. you know. Um, so the, the, that those are the two most dangerous from a pure medical standpoint. Um, you know, they, they a lot of people will shake, they'll get bad anxiety. Um, things like that are really associated with alcohol and benzo detox, which are very closely resembled uh, each other. Yep. And then so kind of moving down on the list, opiates is the next one that has some pretty intense withdrawal symptoms yeah. now generally you know somebody's not going to die from heroin or fentanyl i feel like it generally but you won't um, yeah you'll feel like you're going to you, might want you may to. want to i know that i certainly said many times that i you know while i was experiencing heroin withdrawal i'd rather just be dead so yep. incredibly uncomfortable um and basically you imagine if you imagine having like a, a really bad flu and a really bad cold and diarrhea and you're insomnia. vomiting and insomnia you can't, yeah all <laughs> pretty much all the bad stuff that your body can experience like yeah. your, your bones hurt like that's what it's going to feel like yeah i mean so when you take drugs you experience euphoria which is what people, people replicate and euphoria basically is a overwhelming sense of well-being and pleasure uh, when you go through detox, you experience dysphoria, which is the opposite of euphoria, which is a sense of impending doom and misery, which is not fun. Um, and that's just the mental side of it. Like, like Tommy said, you've got diarrhea, you've got vomiting, you've got cold sweats, you've got the insomnia, um, you've got hot, cold flashes, you know, uh, there's your hair standing up, your skin hurts. So under the blanket, on, out of yeah, the blanket, right. under the blanket, out of the blanket. Over and it's over a and completely over miserable experience and it can take it just depends on, on on the opiate you know uh some people start to feel better after five days some people it takes them several weeks to months depending on what substance they're using that's an opiate yeah. and so. so you know that kind of leads into a whole nother topic when you know somebody is telling someone who is in active addiction why don't you just stop getting high especially if it's something like heroin or fentanyl or alcohol like why don't you just stop drinking well, that's not really an option to no. just cold turkey stop right now. It's not safe and it's not most likely not, not going to work either. And like with us, you know, we both experienced heroin withdrawal numerous times. And when you start to feel sick, that's kind of what drives you to do whatever it's going to take to not feel like that. Mm -hmm. Not only the physical symptoms that you're going through, but like you pointed out, the mental and emotional toll that it takes on you. Yeah. Like, that's what really pushes people to that point. Like I'm going to go break into this house and steal a TV and go stand right. in line at the pawn shop for an hour yeah. to get $20 for this TV, just so I can feel better for a little bit of time. I'm not thinking of any of the consequences that might come right. along with that. I don't care. You know, the chance that I might get arrested, I might get shot robbing a heroin dealer. Like yeah. none of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters is that I don't feel like that. And that I don't have that sense of impending doom and serious, you know, crippling anxiety and you know, depression, all the other stuff that comes along right. with that. So, yeah, that's, you know, those are the main things that we see. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, st oh, so people will love this one. Let's talk about marijuana. Uh-oh. <clears throat> this is going to uh, ruffle some feathers. But well, weed is medicine. It's safe for everyone to ingest. Right. Um, and no limits, right? Well... 
It depends on who you ask. If you ask some guy on Facebook that smokes weed all day, yes, that's what he's going to say. Mm. If you ask someone who actually knows what they're talking about, though, and has done research and witnessed this firsthand, a lot of what we're seeing these days, it's not people that are smoking like joints here and there Mm -hmm. or even smoking blunts or bowls or whatever. You know, we've got this wax and this oil that's 98% pure THC. That's not really what your brain was designed to handle. Yeah. And so, you know, you get an 18 or body. Yeah, or body. You get an 18, 19 year old kid that's smoking these vape pens every day, all day long, and then they stop all of a sudden. We've seen what that looks like. Yeah. It doesn't look very good. They feel pretty uncomfortable. I mean, people have stomach issues, they have anxiety, they have panic attacks, some people have uh mental breakdowns, you know. This idea that getting physically and mentally inebriated on a daily basis with a highly concentrated substance, which consists of primarily THC, which has been ripped out of a uh, a flower or the flower itself has been altered to have a higher content. You know, there's thousands of cannabinoids in marijuana and each one has a specific function. And when you start to mess with that profile, you create problems, whether it's physically or mentally. So you're dealing with a product that's been artificially um altered (laughs) basically and you're putting it in your body on a consistent basis and yes it may make you feel good um but you do that repeatedly your body's going to adjust to it something called tolerance which happens with everything um you're going to need more and more and when you come off of it the results are sometimes unpredictable one of the things we're seeing since marijuana has been a schedule one drug for so long there are not the studies on it that we want to see to tell us whether long-term legalization and long-term exposure for people for extended periods of time is going to harm them or not. We don't know. Well, what we're seeing in the short term after things have been legalized is we have seen a lot of issues with people physically, with them mentally, emotionally, um, socially. I mean, dang, you throw in the, the uptick in traffic accidents that happens in states where marijuana has been legalized. Uh, the number of OWI arrests goes up significantly. So the detox from marijuana itself varies depending on what kind of marijuana product you're using and how often, uh, you know, I was watching a a documentary the other night on it on, um, edibles. They are not good at predicting how much of the active ingredient THC is in each edible. So, you know, people say, Oh, there's no, there's no example of anybody ever dying of an overdose on marijuana. Well, no, no one physically goes into their body goes into shutdown because of marijuana now because of THC or CBD or any of that stuff. But people have ingested too much and there's multiple cases of them committing suicide or harming themselves unknowingly because they did actually overdose. An overdose doesn't have to mean you physically die. It could just mean that it takes you to uh, an altered state of mind where you're no longer in control. You know, we also see a high uptick in adolescents being taken to the emergency room because of poisonings, because they're getting into their parents' edibles or because, again, they don't know how much to eat. I mean, it looks like candy. A lot of it is candy, you know. Uh, So coming off of it, again, it depends on your age, depends on your usage, depends on what kind of product you're using. Uh, It can it can it can vary widely, you know, Uh, and you're not quite sure what you're getting in, 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 in what form. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times, you know, people will like with any other drug, people will use marijuana to self-medicate, whether yep. they're depressed or they have anxiety or PTSD or 
um, you know, anything like that. But so then when you, you know, this whole time that you're using it, you're just kind of masking that. But then when you stop every time, like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you get high, but once that wears off, now you're even more anxious than you were before. And, you know, we, this, there's a lot of stuff in this book that we've talked about numerous times called dopamine nation that addresses marijuana specifically and all of the different examples that this doctor saw. And we've seen them too, you know, working in this field, one specific example, um, you know, we were working with this guy and I think he was 18 or 19 years old and he, you know, had the vape pens that he was smoking for who knows how long. (laughs) Yeah. And then he comes into an inpatient facility to try to come off of it. And, you know, the first week or so that he's there, he's literally hallucinating. He was almost in a state of like psychosis. And of course he may have had some of those issues beforehand and that may be why he started smoking, but when he came exacerbated, and so when he came off of them, it was even worse. And so we've had people come in in mental breaks, uh, experiencing a mental break, like Tommy's referring to. And the only thing in their system is marijuana. Yep. And you could say, well, maybe your drug testing cup is, you know, sucks and you don't test for enough things. It's a 16 panel test. And we send it out to a lab that has thousands of metabolites in their system, looking for everything from street drugs to prescription drugs to, I mean, you name it, fringe, um, experimental, uh, synthetics that you can get offline. So, it certainly can have a negative impact. I mean, and I want you guys to know Tommy and I are not anti-weed. No, not at all. We're not anti-medical marijuana. I think medical marijuana has its place. But while we're on the subject, let's address that because you and I were having a conversation last week, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know when it was. So you say you live in Colorado or Michigan or wherever, and you get a prescription for marijuana. Yeah. You can go into a dispensary and pick out whatever you want. Right. For the most part, yeah. Pretty much whatever you want. Yeah. Um, whenever you get a prescription for anything else right. at all, you don't get to walk into the pharmacy and say, well, my doctor said because of my back pain, I can take opiates. Right. So I want some of these. I want some of those. I want right. some of those. And then I'll be good to go. Right. That's not how it works. No, it's not at all. Probably not how it should work for marijuana. Either. No. And a lot of times the people that are instructing you on what kind of marijuana to smoke is not the doctor. Most doctors don't know their different strains of marijuana. They're just yeah, simply writing the guy at the, <laughs> dispensary. the specialist or whatever yeah. the heck they call themselves. <clears throat> and some of those people are knowledgeable. I'm not saying they're idiots. Sure. I'm just saying that. Again, we don't have the data. Marijuana is the only drug other than alcohol that has been legalized or put into medical practice by popular vote. (laughs) That is not how things are done in the United States when it comes to approving uh, a drug for wide circulation, not by popular vote. Do you think that Vicodin was put into circulation by popular vote? No. (laughs) Was uh, Lexapro put into circulation by popular vote? No. They had to go through studies. We skipped the phase of doing studies of medical marijuana and of recreational marijuana and just went off our feelings and we're like, hey, I feel like nobody should go to jail because of a plant. Well, you know, you knew the plant was illegal when you put it in the back of your car, right? Yeah, I did. Well, that's why we legalized it because everybody got their feelings about marijuana. Yeah. Marijuana certainly does have many positive properties. We're seeing that through the studies being done. However, it needs to be controlled and it needs to be done in a way that makes sense for public health. You know, one of the big things we're seeing, and and, and I know we were talking about the different detoxes, but you know, w- when you look at kids, we see kids that have to detox off this and it, and it, it, they don't do well. It leads to them being maladjusted later in life. And there's lots of articles 
there's lots of studies being done on the effects on the brain of adolescent kids. Uh, and and the results are not good. I mean, I can try to pull some up on my phone. I was actually researching this last night because there was an article that came out. And again, like everybody's probably saying, oh, you guys are always bashing weed on your podcast. We're again, we're not anti-weed. We're anti-weed can't hurt you and everybody should smoke it. That's what we're anti. Well, and every time we have a conversation like this, everyone is always just like, find an article that tells me about all the people that have died from smoking marijuana. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're not again, saying that you go smoke weed and you're going to die. Like that's not people <laughs> that's have not died what we're saying at all. Weed. Not because of intoxication, but because of things they've done because they smoked weed because they were out of their minds yeah. because they took way too much. But to your point, while you're pulling up that article, one of the things that there has been quite a bit of research on, and this is one of the things that we talk about when we go into the schools with Remedy Live, with the Get School Tour, or if we're just going into a school to talk on our own, when you're introducing a chemical like that, that is as powerful as that, wh- whether you think it's powerful or not, it is. But when you're introducing that to an adolescent whose brain has not even fully developed yet, it's going to hinder the developing of the brain. Like that's a fact. It does. There's a reason you can't drink until you're 21. It's because alcohol negatively impacts brain development. It's exactly why. It's also why they started the uh, tobacco nicotine products. Nicotine for adults doesn't really do a lot of damage to your brain. It's actually a neurostimulant. It can help you think. But for a developing brain, it has a lot of negative impacts. And again, you know, We'll say, well, why aren't you citing studies on here? Well, we didn't have all this pulled up. We just started talking about it. and We got on the subject and we thought it's something important. So we're talking about you're it. free to go do the research on your own before we're you not make, BSing you before you make a comment. Well, this, I this encourage article, you to actually. an article by Politico and, you know, whatever people can say they like it or they don't. But the nice thing about this article is go look it up. It says pot is making people sick. Congress is playing catch up. So it's on Politico. Again, pot is making people sick. Congress is playing catch up. The great thing about this article is there every time they make a claim, they have studies attached. And I have this six, the segmented studies that I pulled up. I clicked the link and it went right to the study, real studies done by scientists and doctors. So it says recently, a steady flow of data has emerged on the health impacts of marijuana, including asthma and smokers, emphysema, and learning delays in adolescence. And they go on to share many articles. And there's a bipartisan effort in the United States to legalize it. But there's also a bipartisan effort now happening to roll back some of the legalization as they're seeing. We let the horse out of the barn way too early. We weren't prepared. <clears throat> yeah. And some of, the, some of the titles of these studies, <clears throat> I'm pulling one up right here. Sorry, my uh, phone's going slow. Chest CT scans finding in marijuana smokers. So this article talks about um, how the emphysema is is just growing, uh, bronchitis is 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 um, becoming more and more common. The bronchial walls are thickening and airways are constricting. So these are just people that smoke marijuana. Now you could say you know smoking marijuana isn't the best route of administration. That's true, although it's still a popular one. So yeah, if you're going to do it, smoking is not the best route to take. Uh, this next one here, sorry again, it's it's loading. I can just tell you, you know, whether it loads or not, that none of these are possible are, are positive. Association of cannabis use in adolescence and risk of depression, anxiety, and suicidal in young adults. A systemic review and meta analysis. There you go. For those of people who say, "Can you back up your data?" Yes, there are there are links on this article that go directly to these studies that have done what they've done 
um, these mat- these data or these meta analysis on. So, I mean, these are things that you can go and read for yourself. And I'm telling you right now, they're all in that are all in that article. Uh, let's see what's this next one here. Effects of cannabis use on human behavior, including cognition, motivation, and psychosis. It's a review. So go ahead, read that one too. That's really good. Uh, the next one was trends in cannabis involvement and risk of alcohol involvement in motor vehicle crashes, fatalities in the United States, 2000 to 2018. And I can tell you after I read this, they've seen a large increase in people with traffic fatalities who have only marijuana in their system at the time. I'm sure. So again, we're not anti-weed, but there's a, a smart way to do things. And then there's just kind of going willy nilly with things, you know, and, and one of the big arguments too, is always that if you legalize marijuana, it will essentially defund the black market and the cartels and the gangs are going to go away. Well, we've seen the we've opposite. learned that that is not true. The opposite has happened. There's more legal grow operations um, than ever before, you know, and, and the things associated with the illegal grow operations are things like human trafficking, violence, murder, uh, money laundering, you know, things that, nobody wants in their backyard they're having a huge problem with this in oklahoma you know and essentially people say well you have a black market when something's overregulated or illegal you can't unregulate to the degree where it's just whatever you decide to put in there you can do again if you did that that would again if you if you did it with pharmaceuticals for example you know um you could have drugs that are marketed as one thing and they could be an entirely different thing you know, I mean, you have to have regulations. There has to be checks and balances on these things. So blanket legalization is not the answer. Uh, and for people that say, oh, that's what Portugal did, that's not what Portugal did. They did a, a decriminalization, but there's still penalties involved. There's still social pressure. There's still uh, uh, the pressure from the justice community to get help, to change behaviors, you know, so this whole idea that we're just going to legalize weed and all the crime is going to go away and all the addiction is going to go away is simply not true. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. We're going to title this the anti-weed podcast and people are going to love it. I don't care if they love it or not. I'm, I'm just not kidding. here to tell people either. what they want to hear. I'm <clears throat> simply, no, we're I don't not. feel like I'm articulating myself particularly well on this subject right now, but I feel like you're doing just fine. Well, we didn't really prepare for this one no, subject. Not for this. At all. We, you know, typically we have articles and studies pulled up and read. There's not um, even anything about marijuana on my little right. Sheet. So, I'm I'm really encouraging you guys to do your own research on this. And, um, you know, I've said for a long time that a medical dose of something is not something that should have you so messed up where you can hardly get up off the couch. The same can be said for Vicodin, right? Opiates have their place in medicine, certainly. But opiates, to a certain degree, shouldn't be so much that you can't pick your head up or that you're falling asleep. It's supposed to be enough to take away some of the acute pain you're experiencing from a surgery or from a broken bone, uh, whatever your injury or you know medical issue may be. Same thing with marijuana. If you tell me, I smoke marijuana because I have anxiety, I smoke it four times a day. No, you just like to get high. <laughs> You know, and just say that (laughs) you're a recreational user because smoking a joint four times a day, that's like saying I take four Xanax a day for my anxiety. That's probably too much. And if your doctor's taking you up to that much, that's a problem. 
I mean, and that that takes us to another topic too of of just because something is a medicine doesn't mean that it's harmless. You know, yeah. you look at you look at things like Xanax. You know, there's a whole documentary on Netflix. Go look it up. Um, the one it's it's called Take Your Medicine or Take Your Pills. One of the two. I think it's called Take Your Pills. The one is about Adderall, the overprescribing of Adderall in our country stimulants, right? And then the other one is about Xanax. And if you watch those two documentaries, you will learn a ton about this idea that we have that we need to treat everything that happens as far as us being uncomfortable, not being happy with something um, with a medication and where that leads to ultimately. And what it does for a lot of people is it cuts off their ability to develop coping mechanisms in life to overcome those things. And it actually it, it, it retards their ability to develop that. Right. And so think about that when you're saying like medical marijuana is going to fix everything. Why are we pushing that over coping skills? Change behaviors, lifestyle adjustments. That is what we should be talking about. Not how this miracle drug, every time somebody says it's a miracle drug, you should run. It's not true, right? Wasn't Oxycontin a miracle um, drug? Oxycontin's a miracle drug. Methadone was a miracle drug. Um, you know, Zoloft is a miracle drug. You know, Vivitrol, uh, Naltrexone was a, was a, was a, um, a miracle drug. Now marijuana is a miracle drug. I mean, there's all these things you can look at. You'd think with all these miracle drugs, we wouldn't have all the problems that we have today. Yeah, you'd see a lot more miracles, a lot fewer problems, but it's quite the opposite, actually. So, you know, just just be wary of those things and don't just take it at face value when everybody's pushing this narrative that this thing is going to be there to help you. And I'm not telling you either to to scrap all the advice from medical providers, but a lot of what we talk about has to do with substance use and mental health. And a lot of the reasons people get in trouble in the first place with substance use and mental health is because they self-medicate and they self-medicate in a destructive way. It doesn't start out as seeming destructive because it makes you feel good. But life is not all about feeling good. It's about being able to not feel good and persevere and push through. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously we started talking about detoxes, but that led us into, you know, not over medicating ourselves, not always having to reach for something to feel better. If you keep reaching for something to feel better, at some point you're going to have to go through some kind of detoxification anyway. Embrace the pain. Embrace is what the we're pain. Saying. Embrace the struggle. I mean, that is really what prepares you for big moments in life. Things you're going to have to overcome because you can't medicate away every single problem you have. Yep. And if that's what you practice, and with the little things like your 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 mild anxiety, your moderate anxiety, or you know your your, your mild depression, your moderate depression. I'm not saying if you're severely depressed and you're thinking about harming yourself, you shouldn't go to the doctor and take medicine if that's what you need to do. It's not at all what I'm saying. But if you're just saying, like, I'm having trouble getting going, I think I'm depressed. I mean, look into the things you're doing in your life. How can you fix that with coping skills? How can you fix that with change behavior? It doesn't have to be a medication. So I think one of the topics that, you know, this video could be about is, you know, self-medicating and the over-medicating people being over-medicated essentially not using real coping mechanisms not just going through life you know which ultimately is what gets us in trouble I and mean, that's why tommy and i started using in the first place because we didn't feel okay yep and we, we got to learn the hard way yeah we thought we always had to be happy or you know we couldn't be sad or you know we shouldn't feel any pain you know, that's the biggest lie you've ever been told is that you know you shouldn't be in pain 
Pain is good. Pain is good. You know, pain, you know, pain and pleasure. Like that's, that's, there's a balance in life that's to be had. You know, uh, most of us should lean into that pain. You know, I mean, we've become very, very soft. A lot of us when it comes to pain, yeah. we just want to shut that off as soon as possible, but it does nothing positive for us in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. I don't know. We've been about 30 minutes or so we got. So one of them was uh, medications to help my loved one detox at home. Yep. Don't do that. Don't have any medication suggestions for you there. That's go a to the doctor. Idea. Call yep, go to the doctor. Go to the hospital. Um, don't try to do it on your own again. Like I don't, you'll hear some people say, Oh, the majority of people who quit using drugs do it on their own. Uh, you know, like, yeah, okay. Those people are probably aren't drug addicts in the first place. and probably don't need detox. If you yeah. need detox, you're somebody that has substance use disorder. You're a freaking drug addict. Go get help. All right. I'm not here to just be like, Oh yeah, well you can quit on your own. Most people cannot quit on their own and it is extremely dangerous. Like we highlighted previously, do nope. not try to quit on your own. Yep. It's not worth it. And the home remedies you're going to find on Google are BS. Well, let's, okay. So we talked about detoxing from alcohol on yep. your own and how dangerous that can be <clears throat> with things like fentanyl and heroin. The main danger with that is say you make it two or three days at home yeah. without using. It's usually what I made it. Yeah. Well, now your tolerance is back down to zero. And today when everything on the street has fentanyl in it, you go do you know, half of as much fentanyl yeah. as you were doing three days ago, your chances of overdosing have skyrocketed. Certainly. That's the main danger that comes with trying to detox from the opiates at home. It certainly is. You know, um, that's why a lot of jails have started giving people Narcan when they leave. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are in jail for a couple of days to get out or, or even seven days and they detox or, or, or they get out right as they're in the, in the worst part of their detox, that 72 hour moment. Yep. And they go and use and their tolerance is dropped, as you alluded to, and they die of an overdose, you yep. know, so that is really dangerous. Uh, and we hear all the time people are like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do when you're at the 72 hour mark and it's really bad? And you want to go get high? I'm just not going to go get high. OK, well, that didn't work the 50,000 other times you got high to get to this point. So why would that work going forward? Well, it's it sounds good. good. And if I can convince my mom that I'm just not going to go get high, then she's yeah. going to let me stay at her house. Or at well, least I'm she, sure you've tried to convince she your did mom a couple of times. times. So. I'm sure you convinced her other times you're not going to get high, that you weren't getting high. And that turned out not to be true. So, yes, that was not that. true. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the other questions that we got, I don't know if we got time to go over another question. Noah, what do you think? All right. Um, so I thought this one was a pretty decent question. And I know it's something that you and I both had a lot of experience with. And, you know, we've talked when we had Jen Hope on here, we talked about, you know, kind of the family aspect of addiction. Right. Um, but we got asked specifically, you know, the effects that it has on our siblings. I know, you know, with your two sisters, yeah. you caused a lot of you know issues between you know, much of your family, but especially with your sisters. Yeah. Um, with my older brother, I certainly did as well. Yeah. Um, did a lot of damage to that relationship. You know, before that, my brother and I were great friends. Um, we got along, you know, not when we were young. We weren't. We did our fair share of fighting when we were young. I think sure. my brother broke my nose like three times and there knocked my teeth out. So brothers are four. I always had a black eye when I was young. Uh, but as soon as I got bigger than him, that stopped and we became friends. Weird how that works. Yeah. But anyways. Now you knock out his teeth and break his nose. <laughs> I wouldn't because he's a nice guy. But. Ah. 
feel for him. He might listen. Remember, to this. lean into pain. Yeah. Okay. So Just there kidding. we go. Let's yeah. go to Kroger when we leave. We're gonna here. go build some character for your brother. <laughs> we'll go. He, we'll go find him at Kroger. Um, but anyways, he's uh, a bag boy there. He is not a bag boy. <laughs> I think he would be very offended. He's the if he heard that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he started out as uh, a bag boy. He did. He's worked his way to the top, you know. So. That was back when we were friends. Yeah. But and now you're friends again. Look yeah. At that full circle. But you know, it got to the point where like he wouldn't if I was living at my mom's house for a short period of time, um, he wouldn't really come over there. He wouldn't definitely wouldn't bring his family over there. I wasn't allowed to go to his house. Um, and rightfully so. Um, there was a time where my niece actually found an empty, thank God it was empty, but an empty bag of heroin in my closet. And she yeah. picked it up and took it out into the living room where all my family was. And my brother's the one that called me and with some not very nice words, yeah. <laughs> um, understandably so. That probably wasn't a um, hallmark moment, was it? No, it wasn't. But it caused all kinds of problems between him and I. Yeah. And I imagine the same for you with your sisters. Nope. Oh, you, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they were it great. Caused many problems. They no, loved just it. Kidding. Um, no, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, there's so many, so many stories I could tell. Um, I mean, there was times where my sister was afraid to come home. Uh, my younger sister, so I have an older and a younger sister. My older sister was away for most of my substance use disorder, uh, simply because she was just three years older and maybe four. I don't remember in college. Uh, by the time I got to high school and when I was in elementary school, I was using, but I wasn't quite using enough for it to be noticeable. So uh, by the time she was in college, I went to high school and that's when things really got worse. So she was away for most of it. My younger sister, she's seven years younger than me. So she was present for pretty much the whole thing. Right. I mean, I got high until I was 24, 25, something like that. And uh, she saw a lot of stuff that nobody should see let alone a kid that's seven years younger than you um you know it really i think she ended up in therapy so did my parents so did my older sister i think like as uh you know she caught collateral damage from everyone else catching all the shrapnel from my bs um so my younger sister now actually is uh in college becoming a social worker she's getting her master's degree in that which I would like to take credit for at this time because, uh, you know, I, I hardened her to the point where she isn't, I'm, I'm kidding, but, um, she does want to help people now. And I think that part of that is because she saw me struggle, you know? Um, and I, I mean, my mom's also a social worker, so that's part of it as well. But I'm just saying, I think she saw a part of the world that she may not have seen, um, as close up. And I think it was very, it was very hurtful for her put a lot of strain on our relationship and uh she had to work through a lot of stuff and she has since done most of that i'm sure there's things about it that still bother her um but you know it certainly uh is not something you want one of your siblings to to witness and uh, i think it was very painful to see their brother go through so many ups and downs over the years and to continuously hurt himself and and destroy his life you know, and really not understand why. That's the thing. I think a lot of siblings don't understand why. I'm sure your brother just was like, Tommy, I don't understand why I can't just quit. Why do you keep putting everybody through this? Yep. Many you times. Know, uh, you know, like my older sister can drink and probably partake in like smoking weed and, and it doesn't seem to that's, yeah, bother that's, her. So that, and you know, same with my brother. And that's yeah. why, like you said, they, 
he just didn't understand. He didn't understand, understand why I couldn't just do that and, yeah. you know, be normal and happy like everybody else. And yeah, I wanted to, <laughs> I, I well, definitely wanted to, but I just, I couldn't do it. It's super important for siblings to have boundaries with their, uh, you know, whoever's using, because we talk a lot about, it's important for family in general because of their only job is to be your brother or sister. It's not to be your counselor, your sober living manager. And I think that's where a lot of these issues come in is people put these burdens on their loved ones. Uh, and oftentimes they feel like loved ones, especially siblings are, are willing to take them on and say, Oh, you can come live with me and I'll make sure you don't get high or, or drunk or, or you can come, you can use my car. I'll drive you around or yeah, I'll search your stuff when you get home to make sure you're not using. And you know, that's putting them in a, in a role that they're never meant to be in. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, we've got a few more on here, but both of them will take far longer than Noah probably wants to sit over there because he's got some important stuff to do today, too, before he goes sure to he Disney World tomorrow. Yeah. Because he's leaving us to go spend time with I his family. Him. I would leave us. No, I would leave absolutely. us for free. <laughs> just, just get the hell out of here. But <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll uh, end it there episode number nine we've got number 10 scheduled but i'm not going to reveal what we're going to talk about we're going to have guests again um yes we episode will. nine will be titled questions and ramblings um about recovery and that's kind of what it was the awesome hairstyle that nate could grow if he wasn't afraid to grow well the, the sides of his hair i don't out. know that my job would appreciate my alternative hairstyle. What if you put it in a ponytail? I think that I would have to wear a lot of hats or uh, hoodies and keep my hood up and hide the part of my head that's growing. We'll get you a hat. Um, I just think it would look very disjointed because my hair just doesn't grow very well on top. But on the sides, it is extremely strong and the forest is very plush. So uh, I think that the top would be the problem it just it just wouldn't look right i would look i would age myself I, i've been I, encouraging this for about four years now and he just won't do it i'm 30 everybody already thinks i'm 40 i grow that they're gonna think i'm 50 or 60 you know not if you put it in a sweet ponytail i think they're just gonna think i'm some kind of degenerate that lives in a van well they're not um, far off well the yeah van. i mean i'm a, certainly a degenerate um of epic proportions um but you know, the hair, I think, would be very off-putting for people. I think it would scare children. I already scare children enough. I was going to say, you already have that going on. So so I, I think the hair would really take it over the top. Um, now maybe what I could do is work at a nice flat top and try to kind of hide it a little bit. But I don't know. I could always get a toupee. That would be fairly interesting as well. Uh, I'd rather you just grow the sides out. Maybe grow the sides out and then put it up in like a man bun and cover the top of your hair i could comb it over the top of your head yeah you i don't could have comb hair. it forward there you go problem Dude. solved yeah uh, yeah all right i could i could be like joe biden and get hair plugs you know you could so all right well i guess Build back better on my head i think that's a good place to end it it is so uh yeah we'll be back for, i don't know probably not next week um then the following week i'm assuming um with some exciting new content for you guys that probably won't revolve around nate's hair or maybe it will you never know 
Uh, so yeah, as always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sending in the questions. Always feel free to send in more and we will be happy to address them in between our ramblings. Yep. So thanks. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you guys.